Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast. Now, I know some people out there may not be terribly interested in the troubles in Ukraine when it comes to what President Trump did or what former Vice President Joe Biden may have done, what Joe Biden's son Hunter did. But the fact is, as we're approaching campaign 2020, Democrats and Republicans have fired up new debate about all of this, and I thought it would be helpful to sort through some of it. First, a quick review as both sides talk about which foreign entities tried to interfere in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Both sides agree that Russian interests made attempts to meddle in the 2016 campaign. Special counsel Robert Mueller, who investigated, was not able to connect any Americans to the alleged scheme, he said. But he did file a case against 13 Russians. He charged that those Russians were instructed to write social media posts opposing Clinton and, quote, to support Bernie Sanders and then-candidate Donald Trump. And although it hasn't been widely reported, Mueller also testified, by the way, there were instances of Russian social media support for Hillary Clinton as well. Anyway, there's widespread disagreement on the role that Ukraine may have had in the U.S. election interference in 2016. Now remember, Russia and Ukraine are enemies, and both of them are lobbying different entities and groups and politicians here in the U.S. to try to get their side heard and to try to get an advantage for their side. So a lot of what you're hearing in the media and with politicians, I believe, is a result of that. But recently, Democrats stepped up their efforts to dismiss allegations that Ukraine was involved in any mischief in 2016. Democrats say those allegations are debunked and a conspiracy theory. A lot of them seem to be using those same couple of phrases. Republicans, on the other hand, doubled down, and they state that alleged Ukrainian efforts to interfere may not have been a top-down operation, as they believe Russia's was, meaning the president of the country involved. But they say it could have been significant all the same, and that Ukraine's efforts, or alleged efforts, deserve serious investigation. As part of that, the Republican heads of two Senate committees have now asked the FBI and the Justice Department for records related to reported collusion between Ukraine and U.S. Democrats to get dirt on the Trump campaign from Ukraine in 2016. At least part of Ukraine's alleged role has been easier to piece together than the Russian interference. That's because of public reporting and interviews with some of those involved. And there are more facts available on the alleged Ukrainian interference from federal lobbying disclosures filed under the Foreign Agents Registration Act, and also from some documents published by WikiLeaks. We'll discuss all this as sort of a simplified timeline in a moment. According to reporting by Politico in January of 2017, you can search for this article, by the way, just do an internet search for Politico and Chalupa, C-H-A-L-U-P-A, that'll turn it up. 
According to this 2017 investigation, efforts by Democrats and Ukraine to, quote, sabotage the Trump campaign in 2016 did impact the race, Politico concluded, even though Trump won in the end. Both Politico and Yahoo News interviewed a key player in this controversy, Democratic National Committee consultant, DNC consultant, Alexandra Chalupa, who previously worked under the Clinton administration. What you need to know about Chalupa is that she acknowledged in her 2017 interview with Politico, according to Politico, that she worked as a consultant for the Democratic National Committee during the 2016 campaign with the goal of publicly exposing Trump campaign aide Paul Manafort's links to pro-Russian politicians in Ukraine. In other words, Manafort was working for politicians in Ukraine that were the enemies of some in Ukraine because they were pro-Russian. There are other people in Ukraine who are anti-Russian. And there were politicians, by the way, and lobbyists working on all sides over there between Russia and Ukraine. So Manafort was just one. Chalupa admitted coordinating in her efforts to publicly expose these Russian ties that Manafort supposedly had. She admitted coordinating with the Ukrainian embassy here in the U.S., and with Ukrainian and U.S. reporters. This is the DNC, the Democrats' consultant. In public accounts since the original news articles were published, you should know that Chalupa, who is a Ukrainian-American, has claimed that her role and intentions have been misrepresented at times. So she takes issue with some of the way the reporting characterized her, even though she had given interviews about this and was quoted. So here are some of the relevant allegations in chronological order, we're going to start with 2014 because that is when, according to Politico, Chalupa says she began researching Manafort as part of her efforts to protect the interests in Ukraine that she supported and to prove that he was perhaps on the wrong side of people there. By the way, the FBI investigated back in 2014, the FBI investigated and wiretapped Manafort way back then, according to CNN for allegedly not properly disclosing his Russia-related lobbying work. But according to CNN, the FBI failed in 2014 to be able to make a case and discontinued the wiretap. I want to divert for just a moment and say the Russia-related lobbying work or any lobbying work that's done on behalf of a foreign country is legal in this country, whether you like it or not. They're called foreign agents. Countries from Afghanistan to Zimbabwe and everyone in between they hire foreign agents here in the U.S., oftentimes former members of Congress and their staff, to lobby. They pay them a lot of money to make their voices heard in Congress, where they may want laws passed that benefit them or statements made by members of Congress and politicians. They arrange these foreign agents. They arrange meetings with the countries they represent and reporters and think tanks. There's all kinds of stuff going on behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., so when you hear a country discussed and issues mentioned in Washington, D.C. coming to the forefront, oftentimes it's not because it just organically happened. It's because these interests are paying to have letters to the editor and editorials published in newspapers, to have reporters report on these things, to have politicians talk about them. So that's the backdrop. What Manafort was doing may have been legal if he disclosed it properly, under something called Foreign Agents Registration Act. And I don't know why that makes it suddenly legal. It's just the notion that people could, if they knew about it, 
look up and see what ties people here in the U.S. have to foreign countries so it's not secretive. The fact is, nobody knows about this. Nobody goes to this FARA website, Foreign Agent Registration Act website, under the Department of Justice to look up all of these things. So I think it's kind of meaningless. But technically, under a law, as long as you properly disclose it, it's generally okay. And that's what Manafort was being researched for. Did he properly disclose himself as a foreign agent doing work for another country? Lots of people have been investigated for this. There have been many violations over the years. More often than not, if people are caught having not properly registered, they're simply allowed to register belatedly. It's, it's more of a slap on the wrist, typically, than anything else. All right, in 2016, skipping forward from 2014 to 2016, election year, on March 25th, Alexander Chalupa, the DNC, the Democrats' consultant, reportedly met with top Ukrainian officials at the Ukrainian embassy in Washington in an effort to tarnish the Trump campaign by exposing what Politico said were, quote, ties between Trump, top campaign aide Paul Manafort, and Russia. The Ukrainian embassy, according to the Politico article, proceeded to work, quote, directly with reporters researching Trump, Manafort, and Russia to point them in the right direction. According to an embassy official, though other officials later denied engaging in election-related activities. Let me summarize that again. Politico reported that Ukrainian officials here in the United States worked directly with reporters to research Trump, Manafort, and Russia to controversialize whatever relationship they thought there might be or to make it seem as though there was a relationship to point reporters in the right direction. That's according to Politico although some officials later denied this. Okay, later, March 30th, Chalupa reportedly briefed Democratic National Committee staff on alleged Russian ties to Manafort and Trump. In other words, this was before we all heard the Russia, Russia, Russia narrative. Maybe it was the beginning of the Russia narrative. This was the day after the Trump campaign had hired Manafort to manage the July Republican Convention. With the Democratic National Committee's encouragement, according to Politico. Chalupa then reportedly asked the Ukrainian embassy to arrange a meeting with Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko to discuss Manafort's lobbying for Ukraine's former president, their enemy, Viktor Yanukovych. Okay, that's a lot of names, but what you need to know is there are different factions in Ukraine as the administrations change. Some people are considered pro-Russian, some people are considered anti-Russian, This DNC, Democrats consultant Chalupa, was on the side of the current president and wanted to discuss Manafort's supposed ties to the enemy, the former president. So the Ukrainian embassy, according to Politico, declined to arrange the meeting with the Ukrainian president, which really would have been, I think, obviously over the line when it comes to election interference. But according to Politico, the Ukrainian embassy became, quote, helpful in trading information and leads in this story. Ukrainian embassy officials in Chalupa, quote, coordinated an investigation with the Hillary team into Manafort, according to a source that talked to Politico. This effort to coordinate an investigation with the Hillary team reportedly included working with U.S. news media. So all that's in March of 2016. In April... A Ukrainian member of parliament named Olga Bielkova 
reportedly sought meetings with five dozen members of U.S. Congress and reporters here in the U.S., including former New York Times reporter Junie Miller, David Sanger of the New York Times, David Ignatius of the Washington Post, and Washington Post editorial page editor Fred Hyatt. We know this because this is disclosed in those FARA Foreign Agent Registration Act records. Someone disclosed, you know, who the Ukrainians were paying somebody else to arrange meetings with. That's how we know. The week of April 6th, perhaps this was one of those meetings, Chalupa and the office of Republican Marcy Kaptur, a Democrat from Ohio, who co-chaired the Congressional Ukrainian Caucus, they reportedly discussed holding a possible congressional investigation or hearing on Manafort in Russia by September. So election year, this operative for the Democrats, the Ukrainian-American who was coordinating with the embassy and other reporters, was also coordinating with Congress to try to bring to light and bring to the forefront before the election these supposed ties between Trump aid Manafort and Russia. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Chalupa also says she began working with reporter Mike Isakoff around this time. About a week later, the meetings with members of Congress apparently continue. The Ukrainian member of Parliament, Bielkova, and a colleague met with an associate of Senator John McCain. The associate was named David Kramer. He was with the McCain Institute, according to government records. John McCain, as you may know, is a Republican from Arizona. Kramer was a former U.S. State Department official affiliated with the anti-Russia Ukraine Today media organization. Now, follow me if you can, but Kramer would later be sent to London by Senator McCain to meet with the author of the anti-Trump dossier, Christopher Steele. More on that in a moment. Bielkova, the Ukrainian member of parliament, also met with Liz Zentos of the Obama administration's National Security Council and with a State Department official named Michael Kimmage. So these meetings are going on between Ukrainian officials and Obama administration officials and members of Congress, both Democrat and Republican or associates. April 20th, about a week later, Chalupa reported that she was a victim of a cyber attack, interestingly. And at this time, the FBI imaged her laptop and her smartphone. Two Republican Senate committee chairmen are now seeking those records, by the way. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Another week goes by, and reporter Michael Isakoff, the one that Chalupa had begun coordinating with, published a story on Yahoo News about Paul Manafort's business dealings with a Russian oligarch. A couple of days later, April 28th, Chalupa was reportedly invited to discuss her research about Manafort with 68 investigative journalists from Ukraine at the Library of Congress for the Open World Leadership Center, a U.S. congressional agency. Who even knew there were 68 investigative journalists from Ukraine in the United States? Anyway, Chalupa said she invited 
U.S. reporter Michael Isakoff to, quote, connect him to the Ukrainians. And after the event, Isakoff reportedly accompanied Chalupa to a Ukrainian embassy reception. That was April 28th. Now we go into May. On May 3rd, Chalupa emailed the Democratic National Committee. We know this from WikiLeaks emails. She emailed the DNC that she would be sharing with them sensitive information about Paul Manafort, quote, offline, including, quote, a big Trump component that will hit in the next few weeks. Late July, Chalupa reportedly left the Democratic National Committee to work full-time on her research into Manafort, Trump, and Russia, and supposedly she provided a lot of off-the-record guidance to a lot of journalists, according to Politico. Around the same time, just to get a marker on time here, FBI agent Peter Strzok opened a counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign. August 2016, we're a couple of months away from the election. Justice Department official Bruce Orr reportedly met with FBI official Andrew McCabe and FBI lawyer Lisa Page to discuss Russia-Trump collusion allegations as relayed by Christopher Steele, who was the author of the anti-Trump dossier. The point is that after all of this Russia talk was genned up by the Democrats' consultant, Alexander Chalupa, who coordinated with journalists in Ukraine, the FBI is now investigating these so-called Russia collusion allegations and Russian ties. Now, here's a pretty big one. On August 4th, the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States wrote a critical op-ed about then-candidate Donald Trump. It was later said in one of these hearings recently that the Ukrainians bet on the wrong horse. They thought Hillary Clinton was going to win, and they were not on Trump's side, and that perhaps this op-ed was ill-advised in retrospect, but Strange, isn't it, that a foreign ambassador here in the U.S. would publish such an article about a political candidate? Four days later, on August 8th, FBI agent Peter Strzok wrote to his girlfriend Lisa Page, FBI lawyer, that they would stop Trump from becoming president. About a week later, August 14th, the New York Times broke a story about Paul Manafort allegedly taking improper cash payments a decade earlier, from pro-Russia interests in Ukraine. Ukraine's so-called Black Ledger showed these cash payments and was publicized by Ukraine's National Anti-Corruption Bureau. Again, Ukraine is entering the picture with information that taints the Trump campaign and Paul Manafort and connects them both to Russia. True or not in Trump's case, but there's a connection being made. By the way, Ukraine had formed the National Anti-Corruption Bureau, the one that leaked the black ledger that supposedly implicated Manafort, Ukraine formed this bureau in 2014 under a condition to receive U.S. aid. A couple of days later, August 19th, Paul Manafort resigned as Trump campaign chairman. All the controversy was brewing. The same day, a Ukrainian parliament member named Sergei Lyshenko, who was part of the Petro Poroshenko bloc political faction held a news conference to draw attention to Manafort and Trump's supposed pro-Russia ties. Here the Ukrainians are again, holding a news conference, ginning up this information. And by the way, I tried to visit 
this link where they had the news conference about Manafort Trump being pro-Russia, and the photo of the news conference and the description itself had recently been removed. I first accessed it probably a year ago. I was able to find it on the Wayback Machine, by the way, but it's not on the regular spot anymore. It was recently removed. At the news conference at the time in August of 2016, the Ukrainian parliament member was said to be exposing, quote, a firm run by U.S. businessman and Republican Party presidential candidate, Donald Trump's campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, who, the description went on to say, reportedly directly orchestrated a covert Washington lobbying operation on behalf of Ukraine's ruling political party attempting to sway the American public's opinion in favor of the country's pro-Russian government during the presidential period of Viktor Yanukovych. Okay, so you see that there are factions fighting within Ukraine. The ones in power now speaking out do not like the supposed pro-Russian people that Paul Manafort had represented in the past. A couple days later, Bruce Orr, a Department of Justice official, met with Glenn Simpson, co-founder of Fusion GPS, who reportedly identified several possible intermediaries, he said, between the Trump campaign and Russia. The point here being that Ukraine is genning up a lot of this Russia talk, in coordination, it appears, with Democrats here in the United States, and at the same time, the FBI is becoming very interested, and the Department of Justice is becoming very interested. Okay, President Trump gets elected anyway, and talk of Russia, Russia, Russia really starts to escalate. November 18th through November 20th, after the election, Senator McCain and that longtime advisor I mentioned earlier, Kramer, the former U.S. State Department official, together attend a security conference in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where someone named Sir Andrew Wood, a former United Kingdom ambassador to Russia, told Senator McCain and his associate, Kramer, about the Fusion GPS anti-Trump dossier. And they all discussed taking steps to try to make sure the information had already reached, hopefully, the top levels of the FBI for action. On November 28th, the McCain associate, Kramer, flew to London to meet Christopher Steele, the author of the anti-Trump dossier, to get a briefing on the anti-Trump research. And afterwards, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, whom Steele was working for, reportedly gave Senator McCain a copy of the dossier. Senator McCain soon arranged a meeting with FBI Director James Comey to make sure this anti-Trump dossier was in the top hands at the FBI. All right, fast forward to 2018. On February 22nd, Kramer, that Senator McCain associate, invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to testify when called before the House Intelligence Committee. So that's a very simplified timeline, as complicated as it sounds, a simplified timeline of how Ukraine and Democrats and the dossier all kind of figure in together. Senator Ron Johnson, he's a Republican from Wisconsin, and he's head of the Homeland Security Committee, and Senator Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa, who heads up the Senate Finance Committee, have now asked Attorney General William Barr and FBI Director Christopher Wray for various records, including forensic images of Chalupa's devices. Remember I said that she reported that she had been 
hacked or intruded upon, and at the time, the FBI imaged her devices. So presumably they have records from that still, and these two senators at least would like to see them. The senators are also seeking records from the National Archives to try to obtain White House visitor log records regarding any meetings between Chalupa Ukrainians and Obama administration officials. So, I hope that answers some questions and puts into perspective what some of the controversies are. And I think, as you can see, though some people are claiming that they somehow have proven or know there was no Ukrainian meddling in the 2016 campaign, there is very much a question of how much there was, how much we may not even know. I mean, we know a lot about one Democrat operative's actions and coordination because she spoke of it, but who knows what else may have been going on behind the scenes. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, leave a comment, like it, share it with your friends, and consider subscribing to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and Full Measure After Hours. Those are two of my podcasts. You can listen to them on iTunes or your favorite distributor, or visit CherylAckeson.com and just look at the podcast tab. You can listen to them right there. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. Thanks for listening.